0: Welcome to Nets Get Real, a podcast produced by NCAN, the Neuroendocrine Cancer Awareness Network, about and for the neuroendocrine cancer community. Uh, This podcast series is brought to you in part by sponsorship provided by Lexicon Pharmaceuticals, maker of Zermelo. So tune in here for stories from thought leaders and personalities from across the U.S. and around the world. They'll be sharing their personal stories and insights into NET cancer. My name is Bob Wayman, your host for today's show, and I've been helping to raise awareness of neuroendocrine cancer and supporting the NET community with NCAN since 2003. In this episode of NETs Get Real, Marianne and I will be speaking with Dr. Eric Liu, an internationally recognized neuroendocrine tumor surgeon with the Rocky Mountain Cancer Centers in Denver, Colorado. Well, welcome, Dr. Liu.
1: Thanks for having me, Bob and Marianne. It's great to be with you.
2: Thank you for being here. Um, So So we um, have a few questions that we want to ask. This is um, not only about um, neuroendocrine, but we also want to get some back history as well. So um, we're going to start out with the back history, and that is, what led you to become a net specialist?
1: <laughs> I'm not sure your podcast is long enough to for me to answer that question. Mm-hmm. it's uh, it's interesting. i was I feel very blessed and fortunate to be in in this field. Um, when I was training, I actually did a lot of things that I was just interested in. I was interested in imaging. I was interested in endocrine, I was interested in surgery. And then I was fortunate enough to be recruited by the chairman of surgery at Vanderbilt University, and he asked me to become a neuroendocrine expert. And I said, I don't know anything about neuroendocrine. I don't know how to do that. He said, don't worry. I will train you. So he sent me, my two-year-old and my uh, six-month-old, or however old he was, to Sweden. And we had the great fortune of training at Uppsala University under a very famous neuroendocrine professor named Dr. Shell Oberg. And we were there for several months, and I went to clinic every day, and it was just neuroendocrine after neuroendocrine after neuroendocrine. And so when I came back, I was fortunate enough also to have access to gallium and things like that. And so we started doing gallium, and we started seeing patients, and we had, all of a sudden, we had a very big, robust clinic. And uh, now you can see neuroendocrine is definitely on the map. And so I feel very fortunate and blessed to, to work in this field.
2: Well, we're very blessed to have you, and we're very glad. Um, So why is it important for a patient to be involved with their treatment plan?
1: That's a great question and an an important point to make. I think patients really need to be very much involved because the care for a neuroendocrine patient is very complicated. If this was something relatively straightforward in which there were clear pathways and uh, clear treatment pathways, it would be pretty straightforward, you know, high blood pressure, diabetes, which is complicated, but, you know, much more mainstream. Neuroendocrine is complicated. And sometimes you have to see multiple doctors and sometimes you need, you have different types of symptoms and you have different issues and they are different types. And so one thing I always encourage neuroendocrine patients to do is to see a neuroendocrine specialist because you do need someone who can kind of, Uh, uh, guide you as far as the thinking of neuroendocrine but then beyond that really the captain of the ship is the patient or the caregiver you know whoever because there are just so many complicated things keeping track of the different scans seeing all the different doctors reporting your symptoms it's really important for you to also discuss how you feel. And I think a lot of times with a quick visit to the oncologist or whomever is taking care of you, uh, the PCP, there isn't always a lot of time to discuss complicated things like pain or bowel movements or stomach feelings and stuff like that. So I think it's important for the patient to be, to think of themselves as the captain of the ship, to think of themselves as an important part of the team because Unfortunately, if you just rely on other people to do things for you, you're not going to be cared for as well as you deserve to be.
2: Okay. Well, some of that uh, was answered. Some of this was answered in the question, but um, with regards to getting proper care, what is the most important decision that a net patient could make?
1: Well, there are two things I always recommend neuroendocrine patients do. One is always to see a neuroendocrine specialist because the thinking in the rationale and the philosophy and the approach to neuroendocrine is really quite different from other cancers. And most oncologists are, you know, well-trained and terrific and great, but they're generally trained in the more common cancers, colon cancer, breast cancer, um, lung cancer, those kinds of things. And it's very, very different. So if you apply those rules to neuroendocrine, you're not going to get the optimal care. So I always think it's good to see a neuroendocrine specialist, even if you only see that person maybe once a year, or maybe just one visit. I mean, at least there's someone who can kind of help keep things um, straight in the neuroendocrine world. And then the other thing too uh, that I always recommend is is really feel very comfortable communicating with your healthcare team about how you feel. I know in our modern world of medicine that. People are rushed all the time and there's so many things to do and, and doctors and and uh, providers have so many patients to see. But remember, you are the patient. You are the one who has the issues. You're the one who has to tell us what's going on. If you don't tell us, we don't know. And a lot of people feel like, oh, well, I don't want to bother the doctor. Well, if you don't bother me and tell me, I'm never going to help you and fix it. So it's it's important for you to have trust with your healthcare team. It's really, really important to have uh, an open line of communication with the team. And true, it, we are busy, don't get me wrong. Uh, you know, I, I, I am unfortunately a very busy person. But if if it's important to you, it's important to me. And therefore I wanna hear about it because I may be able to help you and fix it. So always have a neuroendocrine specialist and never be afraid to communicate with your healthcare
2: team. That's great advice. Okay, one other piece of advice. Um, With the COVID-19, do you have any advice for our lung net patients, Um, any extra precautions that they should be using um, besides the normal precautions that net patients should be doing and the rest of the world should be doing?
1: Yeah, this COVID-19 issue is just completely turning everyone's world upside down. Um, there are some things that we should consider when it comes to neuroendocrine specifically. First of all, there are there are information sites which are trying to gather um, you know I- advice on how to to manage COVID. So definitely look on the various websites um, for some information. Uh, the CDC has a lot of information. So just definitely try to adhere to the basic things of course social distancing very very important um being aware of, of how you feel very important um trying to keep keep clean and all those kinds of things washing your hands a, a zillion times i mean i i do it all the time so that's those simple things we can all do but when it comes specifically to neuroendocrine and even to lung there are a couple things we should consider one we should be aware that in general in general, the the most treatments that people are getting are the shots, right? This what we call the somatostatin analogs. In general, those medications are not immunosuppressive. So they should, you know, you should consider yourself uh, just as immune competent as anybody else. But what we're discovering is that COVID is also attacking people who are otherwise completely healthy. So the whole issue of having... Comorbidities, you know, other types of diseases, which is real, definitely increases the risk. It can affect people who don't have that risk too. So we do have to be very careful. The other thing we should be aware of is that a lot of a lot of uh, neuroendocrine patients are treated with medications that are immunosuppressive. So things like everolimus or temozolomide and some of those other kind of more um, uh, hefty medications. Can definitely affect the patient's health, and those patients are definitely more at risk. And so, I always tell people to be super, super careful when they're on important, you know, kind of those those more hefty medications. As far as being careful about any type of um, transmission and things like that. So, when it comes to breathing and in, in, in such as well, for our lung patients, it is I, th- that part of it is probably relatively similar keeping at least six feet away from people, not getting into large gatherings and just washing your hands a lot. So I don't think specifically for people who are, who have difficulty breathing or, or have issues with, with their lung neuroendocrine, that there's anything different. Um, and of course, if anything changes, do not hesitate to call your physician. Great. Uh,
0: Dr. Lu, I have a question. Uh, we'll uh, change directions for a second. Uh, what uh, can you comment on? What seems to be a, a really growing concern over neuroendocrine carcinoma?
1: Yeah, that's a that's a tough question, Bob. Neuroendocrine carcinoma is a brutal disease. The problem with neuroendocrine is that it's a wide spectrum of diseases. Um, that's why I always encourage people to see neuroendocrine specialists because they can help sniff out the differences. Neuroendocrine tumors tend to be the more um, indolent, slower growing things that we're used to that can be around for 20 years. You'll hear people say, oh, you have neuroendocrine, you know, you'll die of something else. But that's not always true. There are much more aggressive versions of neuroendocrine that we call neuroendocrine carcinoma. So the carcinoma portion of it is, is more more cancer more cancer like, in which it can progress quickly, it can invade other organs, it can spread and metastasize quickly. So those types of things are are it's it's almost essentially a completely different disease. And unfortunately, we have suffered because the classification system has been a little bit confusing over the past 20 years. It's gotten a lot better over the past couple of years, but it's been confusing over the past 20 years. And so sometimes not everyone understands the differences between these types of cancers. So that's why I always want people to see a specialist. But anyway, to get back to your question about this concern and this maybe rise of neuroendocrine carcinoma, I don't know if the numbers are getting worse, but I'm definitely seeing more of them. Neuroendocrine carcinoma is an aggressive form of neuroendocrine that can come from different body parts. It can come from your lung. It can come from your colon. It can come from um, various places. Sometimes it can come in, in places that we don't even know where the primary is so it can be a challenge and our concern is that it grows fast and it spreads fast and it kills people and it kills people of of all different ages and when it's that aggressive and usually we can tell by biopsies that will give us information like ki 67 or mitotic index if those characteristics are very aggressive then we are highly concerned about it and if those patients um you know, are, are being treated correctly, we, we generally start with things like aggressive chemotherapy, IV chemo, as we would start with any other kind of aggressive cancer, like a lung cancer or a pancreas cancer or a stomach cancer. So those are the types of things. And it is, it is more aggressive and the survival is much, much worse. And we do see people with it. And it breaks my heart every time we try to um, treat it because I, I know it's always going to be um, a tough battle. I'm hopeful that in the future we'll have more therapies. As we learn more about other types of cancers, we do you know, steal some of these other types of treatments and try to apply them to neuroendocrine. It's not quite there yet. It's an evolving field, and hopefully it will continue to improve, but it is definitely a concerning issue, and um, I hate seeing um, patients who have these aggressive kinds of cancers. Yeah, sure. All right,
2: so I just want to go back to the coronavirus 19 um, just really quick. Um, what recommendations do you have? We are getting a lot of calls from patients saying that they want to put off their treatment. Uh, what do you encourage them to do?
1: That's an interesting question. So, so if they want to put off the treatment, it depends on what the treatment is for. So there, there's definitely some flexibility. Let's put it that way. If a patient is getting their treat, let's say their treatment is somatostan analog. So either an, a Octreotide injection or a lanreotide injection. If the patient is getting the treatment for for symptoms, I think it might be a little bit hard because they will need the therapy to help make them feel better. If they're getting it for purely tumor control, there might be a little bit of flexibility. As you know, if you wait a week here or there, I think that's probably okay. But then you should talk to the physician to see if there are any other options. Um, both of the programs offer some injection at home. Uh, options, so that might be something to consider. Uh, we use it pretty frequently uh, for patients who who can't come into the office. But a lot of patients come to the office just because there's more expertise in giving the injection. So that it might be an option. When it comes to other more aggressive kind of treatments, then we have to really consider it. The new therapy called P R T or Ludothera is on a pretty relatively regimented cycle. We give it every eight weeks. But there is a little bit of flexibility in that as well, too. So if we needed to uh, put it off for a a little while, it would probably be okay. But these are conversations you definitely want to have with your physician. If it's just an office visit, if it's just a routine surveillance scan, those are types of things that – you have more flexibility in it. and you may want to do either by telemedicine or maybe have a scan at home and sent to the, um, to the physician or uh, maybe you can delay it altogether. But again, that's something that needs to be discussed with the physician so that we know S- things like surgery are a little bit more difficult to figure out. Sometimes if the patient is very symptomatic and is having issues. It doesn't matter. You have to have surgery. So that has to be done. But if, it's, if the patient's relatively asymptomatic and, and it can be put off to later, I think that would be a, a, a generally good recommendation to, to, to wait till these things start to settle out a little bit. But again, I can't stress enough, you have to have this conversation with the, your neuroendocrine specialist and your, your physician to come up with the best decision for your particular situation.
2: Well, thank you very much. Well, we're looking forward to uh, seeing you speak in August at the Omaha Conference. And um, I'm not sure if you saw that we set the date for the 2021 National Conference in Atlanta, Georgia, and we hope that you'll join us then.
1: Great. Well, you know, I always support the work that your family is doing and everything that you've done for neuroendocrine. So it's a team effort, and we're all in it together.
2: Well, thanks again.
0: Okay, thanks, everyone. Dr. Liu, thanks so much for taking time to speak with our audience. Audience, you can see more about Dr. Liu on our website, www.netcancerawareness.org. For the past 18 years, NCAN has been raising awareness of neuroendocrine cancer, providing support for caregivers and people with NETs, and funding NET Cancer Research Since 2003, it's been our passion to educate and support the NET community as a whole. Please visit our website, www.netcancerawareness.org. While you're there, check out our upcoming conferences and events, our free information pack, join a chapter, use the glossary, view videos of expert NET doctors, get inspired on Inspiration Corner, And you can always call our hotline, 866-850-9555. That's 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. every day. That's Eastern Time. So see you next time on Let's Get Real.